Jets podcast today on the show. I'm as always, John Pride, Professor Mike. Hello, <laughs> and we've got uh, a guest today, one of the members, um, second member that's been on the podcast. Third member, second, second member to be on a podcast, second ex pro rugby player to be on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's a theme. Uh, Johnny Gration, thanks for joining us, Johnny. Thanks for having me on. Um, again, I'll co- caveat this conversation as, as I have done twice now, I know nothing about rugby. Less than nothing, even. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So, any rugby talk, Michael, lead that. Anything else we can talk about? I'm, I'm happy. I'll, I'll try and fake some knowledge. Well, I think the rugby talk will be a very small part of what we want yeah. to talk to Johnny about. Yeah, I'm really interested to kind of learn more about what Johnny's doing now around business and around the transformation he does with people, and then how you know that kind of how an ex-professional starts jiu-jitsu and what that feels like. That's always, what I'm interested to yeah. about. I always like to hear about coaching philosophies and stuff like that so i'm sure we'll dive into that too and mm. uh, maybe just to start us off though johnny like why don't you tell us kind of how you are as a kid w- did you always know you wanted to be a rugby player like was it always set in stone that was the path you were, were you also always massive yeah <laughs> what were you eating as a the kid, tall kid. <laughs> the tall ginger kid uh yeah pretty much um yeah my brother's quite big as well so i don't know where we get i think the milkman's pretty tall so. <laughs> Ste- definitely not my dad um yeah, no, I started rugby when I was eight. So my brother's a little bit older. My dad played. So I just got grab, dragged along to a training session and didn't have a clue what I was doing. This took me on the wing, on the edge, out of the way. Uh, and yeah, I just went from there. Um, Is it Leeds, mate? You're from Leeds? I'm from Bradford. All oh, right, cool. I'm from Bradford. Um, so yeah, grew up in Bradford. And then, long story short, went, played all the way up to. Um, school level, side pro after school, and went from there. Was that a kind of a simple process, or did, was there some bumps in the way, or what happened? Um, simple as in, I really enjoyed it, so just went along. You know, didn't didn't find it a chore at all. Um, uh, we we I was fortunate enough to play in good teams with good lads, um, who always we always had like a core that kind of went through selection for representative rugby would be that county for Bradford uh, for your town and then for Yorkshire and then for England so we it was you know it's like this and it? it's like a, the brotherhood that we speak 100%. about and, uh, you kind of mates for life and so yeah we all progressed through, through together right through to the professional ranks um, sometimes playing together sometimes playing against each other so I guess so my, my question is like yeah, I asked, I think, the same question to Ollie Goss. Like, was there a point where, like, oh, my full-time career now is, like, being a professional rugby player? Was, like, was there a epiphany moment for you, or was it just, like... No, but I can remember playing my, um, making my debut for the first team. Mm. Was it Bradford? Bradford Bulls, or...? So, I, I played for Bradford as a junior. Right. Um, but I, I was one of the little, the skinny kids for my age group. So, I went in to the Bradford Academy a little bit too premature and basically got bullied. Right. Got shoved around by the bigger lads. Uh, so the coach said, come back in 12 months time. 
in that time I ended up signing for Huddersfield Giants which I didn't mind because at the time the Bulls were a huge team like going for you know Man, Man City or whatever um, and to get past all the great players it would have been a lot harder than going to a smaller team where you could have been a bigger fish oh, yeah. so I took that route and progressed the first team really quickly so I got a lot of um, experience from an early age quite nice that to hear that the coach uh, I don't think there's a difference here between rugby and football I see it with football and my eldest boy it's much more ruthless there's no come back in 12 months on your great player it's like mm. next out you're not good enough get out mm. um, so I think rugby's got that culture hasn't it where it's a bit more kind of inclusive and developmental mm. we tend to look after kids I think as I'm, if I'm right in speaking and correct me if I'm wrong but kids don't sign too early in rugby they tend to be a bit older like football sign kids on at nine years old into the academy system is it like that in rugby now or i think from what I, people who i know with with young children signing professional football and stuff i think i think the football they just want to snap everyone up right so no one else can get them right and then they'll decide what they do with them later type thing and you know because there's that much competition yep. they want they want all whereas rugby yeah maybe it's more because it's a you know a working man's sport originally and um originally played by minors is rugby league i think it's still got that tumble kind of family Definitely. environment i didn't know that that's that's why it's that's why it's entered in the north is it because it was started by minors that's it yeah across wow. the m62 wow. so basically from like centerlands through to hull Right. That's the strip. Yeah, of, no, yeah, that's really interesting. That every single team, apart from London. Wow. Yeah. Um. So when you were kind of in that early age, like looking at your career now, had you always always had like an interest in like the strength and conditioning, and the the training side of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, I always enjoyed the training side of it. Um, I went, you know, again, my dad got me into the gym from quite an early age, so. Yeah, just enjoyed the, the conditioning side of it, the uh, the challenge, really, the physical challenge of it all. So, were there any coaches that like really stood out to you? That you're like, oh, this person like kind of gets me, and they made a real difference. I've I've been lucky enough to have some really good coaches on my career, and each one has given me something very different from the the other. Mm. Um, <clears throat> be that mindset stuff, attitude stuff, skills actual rugby skills yeah so I took something different moving moving through my career um, sometimes I felt like it was a little bit too late by the time I got all the best coaching it was towards the end of my career or maybe this maybe I just looked at things differently so the penny dropped differently you know right but, I know what you mean yeah yeah, yeah I, re I really I've got a lot of respect for all my coaches and really enjoyed working with yeah, you strike me as someone who in fact we've just um, if you're listening to this just promoted Johnny to his first try put his white belt this afternoon not because he was coming on the podcast it's nothing to do with it um, not the tenor just, I slipped <laughs> that's it but you strike me I, I said when I promoted you you strike me as like a student of whatever you do I see a look in your eyes of like hunger for learning I see that when I'm when I'm instructing you on the mat I can see you're engaged I can see you want to learn I can see you want to know did you were you always like that you talked about then taking something from each coach you can only do that if you're open and you're open to want to learn were you, were you always like that have you always been that way uh well yeah i mean there's that there's that saying in there that if you're the smartest guy in the room you're in the wrong wrong room so right. um and i think it's very true you know I, I love learning new skills and 
it's the whole reason why I came to Jiu Jitsu because something I've never done before. Didn't yeah, I've seen it. I've done a bit of kickboxing, boxing, grappling with the rugby, but just so technical, there's so much to learn. It's unbelievable. Like you say, it'll take you ten years to you know get decent, and I can I can believe that. Um, it's just one. It's a distraction from your day job, and two, yeah. it's just something to to learn in it, a new skill. Which definitely, yeah, I like it. For you, what was the like the highlight of your your rugby career? Is there a memory you particularly look back and go, "Wow, that was like the pinnacle"? Or um, my, I felt like my career was a mixed bag because um, for me, uh, consistency was kind of like the 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 thorn in my my foot. Um, so when I was on top of my game, I genuinely felt like I was up there with the best of the best. And then for no reason whatsoever, I just have a really crap game and that was really frustrating for mm. me to try and pinpoint you know there's a lot of psychology for me a lot of my my game was about the psychology sorry to interrupt there mate have you rationalised that now then have you figured out what it was no still no, not still not which oh, is man, frustrating, frustrating as hell, isn't it? because you'd go through the same prep the same sleep the same food you know play really well replicate it the next week have a fucking no, you, can you know what I mean like and, I, and that was kind of always there with my game with my career so in the in the end um, towards the back end of my career I dropped down a league um, purely again to be you know I was I was always playing for like mid-table teams in the in the highest league and you win some games you lose more games you never get to the finals it was it was always a you know real slog sometimes yeah trying to climb the table and claw your way all the time so last couple of years i dropped three years i dropped down a league to playing the the best team with the, the right. league below okay, yeah, yeah. and again a few of the pros did that because at the time you could be full-time playing semi-pro mm -hmm. so we only trained two or three times a week and still got paid paid well um, worked in the community and other bits, you know, to justify it, um, which was again rewarding for other reasons. Um, but we literally lost um, six games in three years, so it was much more fun. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> um, a nice way to finish my career, nice. rather than you know, a lot of my mates are still pushing, you know, hobbling about, knackered knees, knackered elbows, still clinging on to that bit of fame or whatever. Or, uh, and when that's not for me. For you, when did you know it was time to you know move on and try something new and, and leave rugby? So there's like um, a union that supports the players, all kinds of support, legal support, um, education, everything, um, and 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 you can you can do courses after if you want after training. So just because I've always been interested in the the health and sport and strength and conditioning, just a natural progression to go into the training side of it which we would stay behind and learn and get certificates and qualifications and then it just seemed like a really natural progression just to go into the was there a moment though where you were like you know you talked about having that bad game did, did it start to i imagine if you're a professional sportsman there's a kind of a decline and mentally then you probably know i'm past my best i imagine professional. i imagine like was there a time where you kind of instead of having every other game was a bad game it was like I've had three on the bounce, I've had five on the bounce, I've lost my mojo, now it's time to go or? Um, kind of, but not performance wise, just just fell out of love with it. Oh, so really? I, was, I was still performed, you know, 
um, enjoying my rugby. Um, but little stupid injuries creeping in for no reason. You know, just jogging on the training pitch and you pull pull a hip flexor right. for no reason. Right. Like um, starting to take its toll. Um, plus, it sounds really um, like what's the word? Um, like I didn't appreciate what I had, but after twelve years of pro, it does dictate your entire life. And, well, you're a professional, aren't you? So it has to. And the 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 pros and the cons started to shift in balance, and uh, I just want you know at the same time I'd had my my, my boy. Um, so, can you talk about some of those things? Some of the things that perhaps are the listeners won't. I mean, I don't know. You don't know. Like, what are those things then? Because I think people imagine a professional sportsman like what an amazing life. Mm. Just playing the thing you love. There's no downsides. And clearly, there are to everything we do. So, what were some of those things that you know started to become the tip the balance for you? What, what are those things? Um, like I said, it'll sound like I'm, I'm I'm didn't appreciate what I had. To anyone listening, it'd be a dream job. You know, playing pro sport. Um, and it was, you know, it was ace. I loved, I loved my career. I wouldn't change it for a thing. But um, injuries start creeping in. It's, 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 uh, it becomes, you know, more of a, a slog to keep yourself on the pitch. Right. Then you've got the pressures of performance. Um, then the um, the other distractions, the kids, uh, friends, family, doing simple things like you can't go to a wedding because you're playing rugby, which sounds ridiculous, but Oh, I get it. It's it's all the tiny little things building up, and I and and then probably at the back of my mind, which was more important, more, which was the biggest thing, I didn't I didn't want to start on that physical decline where I could see some of my older teammates spending most of the season in the physio room, you know, bad bad lifelong injuries that they'll never heal from. Right. And sooner or later, you've got to get a job. You know, you can't play play sport forever. So. It, it wasn't an easy decision, but mm. but it, it it naturally just came to a kind of because at the end of my contract it was like right, do I sign another contract and tie myself in for another year or two years, or do I have a clean break where I can finish on a bit of a high? You know, at the at the time with my team we'd won grand finals, like I said we never lost, good good set of lads, or do you start? signing for lower league teams clinging on clinging on and at the city you've still got to go get a job anyway so <laughs> it just seemed like a natural kind of time to start mm. a good time to stop I think kind of what, what I'm taking from what you're saying is there's a hell of a lot of sacrifice goes into being a professional sportsman often things you wouldn't think about like not being able to go to a wedding perhaps not being able to celebrate Christmas because you're playing on Boxing Day or New Year's Every Day year. can't have a drink can't go out with your it's a lot of sacrifice right to be the best at anything that you do yeah um, but not a lot of people think about that. We see these sportsmen and we revere them, don't we? Wow, this guy's a you know, genius. I talk about it a lot with, with with my boy. A lot of podcasts I'm listening to, the High Performance Podcast, talk to some great sportsmen. Around, you know, people, it was Phil Neville who said, you know, people look at Ronaldo and say, oh, God-given talent. He said, that kid was out training before everyone else and after everyone else mm. all the time mm. and sacrificed everything financially had his own chef his own master everything to be the best mm. and you have to do that right mm. if you want to stay on top get to the it's top. easy for people to say oh, it's, we talk about it a lot with clients it's easy for them it's easy for you you've got you know great physique 
you know your genetics or whatever but they're the ones doing the nutrition day in day out right. doing the the extra training doing the extra doing the little things and doing getting the sleep and yeah it's a lot it is a lot of sacrifice the get the guys the everyone's only seen the the top of the iceberg right you've seen that picture haven't you with the yeah. under the water all yeah, the yeah, yeah. all the stuff going on yeah it just seemed like a natural progression to stop and just next chapter of my life so nice. i won't change it for a thing i don't want to sound like i'm didn't enjoy it or didn't you know work look didn't value it i really did um but and i was happy just to move on perfect for, so was it straight into the um the ufit stuff because it looks like you got you know, from, I mean, I've not had a deep dive. I had a quick look at your website and your um, Instagram page. It looks like you've got really such like a broad, strong brand identity, and with all like um, even from the design side of stuff. Did you have a strong idea of what you wanted that to be straight from the beginning, or did that grow? In, did, did you grow into it? it? No, it's it's changed a little bit. It's not a million miles off how it started. It just changed and tweaked over. I've been doing it for about eight eight nine years now. So, was it a franchise? No. Yeah, you see, that's that's a testament to how strong that brand is. Because when yeah. I saw it, I thought, "Oh, this is a, like a global franchise." You built that from scratch. That's, yeah. Oh, congratulations on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Tell yeah. me about the early days and what was the plan? Like, how did it go? Um, so, so we we got qualified at rugby. I always trained in the local gym, um, in Bradford, uh, and then just asked if I could get you know a bit of a desk job, mm -hmm. just on my days off. Um, Get a few hours under my belt you know a few few personal training clients and uh just started from that just a cheap i charged the cheapest i could um it's like back then it was like nearly 10 pound for a session to just i didn't care I just wanted to get experience and right. work with people and and just go from there yeah. is that something you see a lot different today with people that have kind of just got their pt calls and then want to go charge a lot more nowadays without getting a lot of one-to-one -one kind of experience? Um, I think the idea of a personal trainer is very attractive for, for people, you know, younger lads, um, get to strut around the gym, lift weights for a living, you know, chat the chicks up, yep. charge 40 pound an hour. Um, you know, Instagram's really good for a lot of things, but really bad as well for other things. And that whole, lifestyle lifestyle that they think it is you know they, they don't appreciate you've got to put the, just like we were saying you've got to put the hours in you've got to, you've got to learn your craft you've got to do the extra when you do a nutrition course they'll teach you uh, when you do a personal training course you learn nothing pretty much nothing that you need to know not how to run a business not about extra nutrition not about dealing with all kinds of different clients no psychology which is massive mm. so there's a really high turnover of high turnover of personal trainers in the industry because they're not you know six months in six weeks in they've got one client and they're still living in their mum and dad's little bedroom yeah well they don't well they can't teach us experience right mm. that, that's so valuable kane daniels talked about it it was the snc head hospital as well and he talked about getting in super early, right? When he was like 16 and just, just doing the same as you. Just almost doing it for free. Just training people, just to get that experience. Yep. What works, what don't work? How do I coach that person? How do I coach that person? Mm. Okay, cool. But you, your business, as I see it, correct me if I'm wrong, it's heavily um, um, 
it's about the transformation. It's about, to, is, it, is that right? So it's a 12 week plan to almost transform someone's physique. Is that the core part of your business? The online, so there's, there's two kind of, there's two wings to it. There's the online 12 week transformation and there's a studio. I've got my studio as well for this group, semi-private group training. Right. So yeah, the 12 week trans, and that's kind of different person that will come, that, that will attract. So amazing results in there too. I've seen some of those images, some cracking results. Yeah, there. Like, you and I need to get on that, mate. Yeah. I'll buy you it for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, there's some great results. Um, Is it all diet? Mainly, I'd say, yeah, yeah. Uh, and psychology. What's the, what's the ratio of Indian takeaways on this one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, you know what? Nothing. Nothing's banned. Nothing's okay, banned. Okay. Okay. Like so, like <laughs> he's in. He's in. Mate. Yeah. Donuts and Indians. He's yeah. In. Um, you actually get ten percent of the local takeaways. So. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. The the online training is uh, people that like uh, the quick the quick turnaround. The you know. The whole Amazon Prime lifestyle in it. If they didn't have it yesterday, it's too late. Right. And uh, that's what the online is for. It's a quick, one-stop shop education on all the nutrition and training and lifestyle. And it's a real crash course. Um, and and the people that can pick things up really quickly and learn on the go really do well from it. Other people that are slower to uptake information they'll might take a little bit longer to turn around but um the studio clients is more slightly older people that are in it for the long run right for the longevity of it people that will happily get pissed on a weekend and don't want a six-pack just want to have the crack with the community yep. keep going look after themselves stay a bit trim so it's, it's different. It's a more different... holistic, yeah. Because I think for a, to transform over 12 weeks, I know if, if I was to get super lean over 12 weeks, I'd have to make some serious choices. You, what I'm interested to know is like, <laughs> there's got to be that one person, because it's online, who you don't meet, who comes on, and you're like, okay, it's, it's weighing scales time. Or you can see, and you're like, so you've been on the diet this week? You're like, yeah. And you're like, you can't have been. There must be loads of that going on. Uh, there is, there is. I mean, you can you can tell when people are on it or not because you have to check in with photographs, measurements, and weight. Right. They'll either dodge to check in. Um, <laughs> they just like won't Mo speak Farrell, to like when, when the doping. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I'm out. God. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you know what? It's quite. It's quite. Um, I call it the online community because it is that and and it's hard not to get caught up in that positive vibe so you'd have to be like really really stubborn really lazy or really stupid to to kind of not get some kind of result right um because you know like you do with the guys here we've got the the online support the the community groups and uh when everyone's posting wins and they're doing this and doing that. You're not going to be the one that sits there going, "I'm not. I'm not doing it." You know, right. you're just not going to do it, are you? Right. So it's a really good way to drag people along, even if mm. they might naturally be a bit lazy or whatever. Was that something you had planned, or was that an organic kind of thing that happened, or did you were like, "Well, the community's going to be central to this"? Never, never planned to be an online coach. I hate admin. I hate <laughs> technology. 
I hate I'm crap like my missus is like chief admin right. IT like everything mm. so she's does she do your social media as well no do you do that yeah that's good that man I like it yeah, no um, that's one thing I do there's a lot of social you do quite a lot of like Instagram posts quite heavy on content it's yeah it's, it's Instagram isn't it? it's the algorithms that just try and screw you all the time so if you're not active on it, it it's your reach drops no I did I did art at school uh, oh. only at GMVQ level to, to, to bridge the gap between finishing school and I knew I was signing pro so I needed to tie myself over for a year or two so I really enjoyed art so I, it definitely helps with the social media yeah it's good mate it's good what is it that you get what is the most rewarding part of the job now seeing the clients um, uh, you know win whether it's and it's not always physical the mental changes just how they communicate over email over the 12 week period um, just how the, the just from the face it changes you know it just lights up over the the check-ins so it's not always the biggest weight loss that's the winner for me some guys will lose the records 25 kilo weight loss in 12 weeks a lot of guys that was an ex-teammate a lot of guys will lose 20 kilos easily the average is like 15 kilos while still eating curry serious um, get down to this so how do you so go on then so let's pause on that then so for people who are listening so how, how do you without giving all your trade secrets away um, and any IP like how, how do you go about that then so the, the the balance is trying to get them to eat as much as possible whilst losing weight right just go all calorie control then right yeah totally specific calorie control um, with the education into the makeup of calories food choices the, the breaking down barriers that you can't eat the most ridiculous one you can't eat carbohydrates if you're on a diet yeah. you're just not true right through to you can still eat takeaway you can still get pissed and the thing is it needs to be as realistic as possible for it to be as sustainable as possible so it's not like right you're going to suck this lettuce leaf for 12 weeks or I'm going to beat you up it's you know because who's going to do that or if they do do it they'll hate the life for 12 weeks and then go straight back to normal. Yes. So it's how can we take your situation, kids, shifts, whatever you're doing, social life, entertaining clients, how can we tweak that and make it fit the site? We've got the science and then we've got you. How can we kind of right. make it fit? So some people can do it all, you know, if they're single and no kids or whatever. Or if they're just really good genetic, you know, genetic freaks that just react like that. Other people may only meet me halfway or a quarter of the way, but it's better than what they were doing. Of course. And if that's sustainable to them, then it might be a twelve-month thing for them to lose, you know, three or four stone. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people do it in twelve weeks. But it's right. It's calories, yeah, and yeah. making it realistic. Yeah. Very good. Mm. What's the flip side? What's the most frustrating part of the job? I think the industry that that is like, um, kind of like, uh, poisoned people's minds and when it poor education through everything that we're surrounded by to give people these these false opinions on myth, these myths, you know. How do you think that those kind of stuff arose? Is it just why, why do you think that they like the myths came about? So either old science, uh, 
just poor or, or outdated studies that have been debunked and are not really mainstream yeah. knowledge. Um, uh, people trying to make money out of the fitness industry. Just quit looking at by selling things that just aren't true. <clears throat> Atkins diet. You, know, you can only eat protein. Like yeah. you can't. It's just you're just cutting down calories, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, quick shake diets, and then and then people's mindset now of they want the quick fix, so they're willing to kind of be conned. You know, they, they can have the 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 the, the wool pulled over their eyes. At the at the set, you know, if it means they might get a really quick result, and they'll just pay anything for it. So it's, it's people's mindset needs to change. That going back to the training thing, if you want some long term, you got to put the work in. You got to, you know. Where do you stand on um, steroid use? I mean, there's the last the last thing I read that there's only over a million under twenty fives in the UK now taking steroids. Mm. And I think a lot of that's fueled by the likes of Instagram of everyone wanting to look amazing. Mm. Um, that's got to have a long-term detrimental mm. um, impact on your health, right? Yeah. So, I mean, where do you stand on that? Because there's this kind of juxtaposition in there between kind of what you're doing is great because you're transforming people's lives. People are always going to try and take shortcuts. They want to go out on the pistol. They want to get the curries in, so they'll start to take drugs mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. To, to achieve that. Where, where do you stand on that? What do you think about that? It's such a taboo um, industry. I, when I had my business coach, I wanted to. I had a chat with him about this. I'm like, I'm going to start posting about steroids and trying to highlight, you know, educate people. He said, "You'll just get more bad press than good press because it's such a taboo subject." But I've got nothing against steroids if it's done right. If which most people don't. You know, if you're having your blood works done, if you know what you're doing with it. I'm talking about professional bodybuilders, like my my coach, my gym coach is a bodybuilder, right. one of the best in the country, uh, who will blatantly admit he takes steroids, but he'll get his blood done. He knows what he's doing with them. It's almost like a science, which I know nothing about. But going back to the you, you know, young lads using them, um, if you know what you're doing with them and, you, and you're doing it, if you can under your doctor and, and you're looking after your health and you've got all the other things in check, your sleep, your nutrition, your training, then I think those those guys uh, are kind of, they're not the problem. It's it's like guys going out and getting wasted on a Friday night and kicking off and fighting and going in at any. You know, those guys are more, more yeah. of a fucking problem to society than a few guys doing steroids properly. But, 99% of steroid users are just going to be getting stuff they probably don't even know if it's real yep. just whacking it in with no regard to the health probably way overdosing and the thing with steroids is it should be the final 1% that you consider whereas the guys that are taking it it's the first thing they consider Right. before they've got the nutrition in check the sleep they've been training for years you know, if you're gonna do it, it's like get as far as you can naturally. Yeah. For ten years, fifteen years, and then maybe if you want to try it, speak to a doctor, speak to someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, if you did it that way, then the people who admit it, you talk about your coach, say your gym coach, probably open and say, yeah, I do it to be optimal to compete or whatever. Mm. Those those guys, because they're admitting it, it's kind of a positive thing. Mm. The people who hide it mm. like I, I had someone I used to work with in his 50s massive 
mm. big red bald head, mm. um, high blood pressure, mm. and none of his family knew he was on steroids. Mm. Everyone else it. knew. You yeah. could tell by a mile off. Yeah. Guy was a vegetarian as well. Never eat. <laughs> never ate. It just was huge. Clearly jacked up all the time. Mm. I worry for those people because they're hiding a dark secret. Yeah. Uh, and the only way then they can kind of like, because they like a lot of people. That person, uh, I won't name them, of course, but that person really likes the fact they were big, mm. and it made them somebody. And like, how do you stop that? Because that's who you are now. How do you stop taking them? It's addictive. Yeah. It is, man. Like it's a dark hole that mm. you're going to struggle to, particularly if you hide it, because then it's a secret. Like mm. you can't ever tell. And especially if you don't, I've got a lot of friends from where I grew up who, who will take, you know, take gear and stuff. And it, because they don't have the knowledge, it, it, if, if you're looking at young lads, 25 or less, unless they're a genetic freak, that age, they just don't have the training years and knowledge under the belt to, to look like that. Right. So the, the, they're blatantly taking, so unless they're a genetic freak, which is what hardly anyone, few and far between. So, um, can, can you look at someone then, like on Instagram, like, oh, they're probably on steroids, or like, yeah, but I don't like to just judge mm. because some people are can a lot of my clients, 12 week transformation clients, they get slated for taking gear, and as far as I know, no, no one touches it. One guy I've ever worked with bought some pro hormones from over the counter, which are basically legalized, legalized steroids. And he's not even one of the best transformations I've got. Whereas a lot of guys get slated for being on gear so when they're not. So I don't want to, you know, it's I don't want to say, oh, they're on gear just to call them out because they look good. Mm -hmm. You've got to give them some respect if they've worked their ass off for it. Yeah. But most people are. Mm -hmm. They have that. Things like swollen traps and delts and androgens, so receptors which they blow up. If you look at like, you know, whenever Tom Hardy does a big role in a film, he's got a huge neck. Blow up. So there's yeah. giveaway signs. You just can't replicate and the the a steroid look naturally. Right. You can either be lean and really super lean, but you might go a bit thin and 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 scraggly. Yeah. Or it's hard to look super lean and super jacked. Yeah, well, I want to look like that, though. Yeah, <laughs> everyone does. I go scraggly, mate, very quick in all yeah. the, in all the wrong places. And this this is the. <laughs> This is the ongoing complaint in the in the twelve week plan. So how how would you do it then? So if you were if you were to give a little bit of like a nugget now for people who are listening, is so, is the one like do you have to because it was all that adage of like you've got to get big first, then you've got to strip down. Is that the way to do it? Like is that what you do? I do it the other way. So you got oh, to okay. you got to get lean first, right? By getting lean, you, there's a few things mentally. It's What's going. lean percentage body fat wise? What, what are you talking about? Um, usually for guys, I mean, I don't know because I don't test anyone online, but it's usually 10% or less. But no one's really got access to body fat calipers. And if they do, it's probably some crappy machine that's not accurate. So lean, as in you can see, you can blatantly see your, your abs, veins, very lean. If you just go off your, your midsection for a, a, a guide, a guide. If you you know, not I'm not talking. If you just get good that, lighting, get that, that angle in the bathroom, you might see it out. Yeah, <laughs> blatantly lean. Um, because if you've done that, you've 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 taught yourself like patience. Uh, you've been strict with your nutrition. You've been on it with your training. So you're building this mental foundation to right. build from. But 
you're then going to be more receptive to uh, carbohydrates. You can increase your carbohydrates. You can push the, f the food to push more energy and you can slowly grow whilst I like to keep an eye on the abs as a body fat check to make sure as you're gaining weight, you're gaining good weight. So you don't want to lose full sight of the abs because if they just blow out straight away and they disappear, you're obviously just gaining fat. Yeah. The scales are going up, but the abs have gone. So me, is, yeah. it, is it good me. weight or is it bad weight? So that's how we, that's how we do it. I'd wait for me. <laughs> it's such a slow process to grow. Yeah. That's the kind of kicking the balls for guys. It's literally years to, to grow a decent amount of size. Non sequitur, kind of going back a bit, but um, do you have any thoughts? It's not really a question, but do you have any thoughts around like rugby and drinking culture? Like, and how those kind of where those intermix? Uh, like, is it a massive? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I played league, and then there's rugby union, which is more southern, mm -hmm. uh, predominantly. I think there's a bigger drinking culture in, in union. Oh, really? Um, which isn't a bad thing, it just is from what from my experience. Um, the league lads love a drink as well. So there's definitely a huge culture. Um, mm. It's like, you know, after a game, straight on the piss. Um, the thing with booze is like, it's obviously it's gonna affect recovery. It's gonna affect um, you, 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 your intensity of training going into the next few days. It's gonna affect your mood, your food choices, your sleep. So over years of it through a professional career, I'm sure it would, you know, have negative effects long term. Right. But in terms of just getting that balance in it, you can't go be super anal all the time. This is what I speak to about my guys on, online. You can't, you can't be robotic and just never have a beer, never have a to chase that dream because eventually you'll, you need some normality. So you'll just crash and go back the other way. Mm -hmm. Too big. So you keep it in yeah. a little bit. My other question, uh, slightly on the rugby thing again before maybe we talk about some jiu-jitsu or something. Um, when you left rugby, like being a professional at it and it for so long, did you have any issues with like identity and being like, oh man, like I've lost this kind of thing now? I didn't know, but some of my good friends who are, um, you're probably more successful than me or played at uh, more, you know, bigger teams. So they had, they did have a bigger identity. I, I didn't, you know, I want like major celebrity or whatever in the rugby world. Whereas some of my good friends were, and they really, really struggled. Mm. Really, mental health after rugby is, is massive, you know, massive decline, like therapy, suicide, potential suicide, you know, drinking. Yeah, I've seen a few good friends struggle. And um, because it's like, it, it, it's like leaving school. And I suppose it's how it feels coming out of the army. Um, you've been institutionalized for so long. And you come out and you're like, now what we're we gonna do? It's a loss of identity as well, isn't it? It's like that's who you are. You're known for being that person. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're just a normal person like everyone else. And also, I think there's like a shift there that actually the thing that you think matters the most, like who you are, actually don't matter to people at all. Yeah. Because you go to the shop the next day, they don't give a shit if you play rugby or not. No. The stranger don't care. No. But you think they do. You think it's all about who I am. And you're feeding that thing of who I am. Yeah. And then actually when you step away, I did my career when I left my career, my last one. It's like I was defined by that career. I loved being the person who did that. And then the next day you don't do it anymore. 
So who are you? Who am I? Mm, mm. What am I doing? Yeah. And it must be the same professional sport. Yeah, it? a lot of them struggle. Um, I think that's why a lot of guys stay in the sport. They'll naturally go into coaching. Right. Whether it's clinging on to that lifestyle or or fear of yeah. doing something totally different. Jay, what was it like for you coming to your first jiu-jitsu class? Crap. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Edit that out, T. Edit it out. It's not the experience. It's not the experience, hopefully. It was really good. Yeah, I loved it. Um, like I said, I didn't, I didn't have a clue what. To, I didn't. I didn't come with any expectations. How did you, you know? find out about us? Uh, I just put it on Facebook. Oh. Uh, asked a few mates. I've got a few mates who are into different martial arts, so I just put it on Facebook and. Um, living locally, I was after something. Low. I said to you, didn't I? I probably wouldn't be bothered if. If I had to travel to it, because I didn't know if now I know where it is, I, w- I would be prepared to travel a bit further. Yeah. But because it was nice and local, I'll just go try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and straight away, it's like so technical, and you're kind of picking stuff up on the run, even though you break it down and it's, it's simplified because it's like one move per session or whatever. Yeah. But you just want to go straight into that like strength thing, yep. where it's nothing to do with strength, is it? Um, and then old habits from rugby what we learn that are drilled into you it's kind of like you don't do that here so just getting that out of your system as well mm. have you found much for like uh, how long have you been with us now? I think three weeks four yeah. weeks <laughs> feels a lot longer in a good way yeah. <laughs> have you found you enjoying the community side of things as well like you, you think that's a good, good side of it? yeah yeah I think it's massive for um, the whole the whole um ethos and the, the 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 family thing of it you know like, like i'm used to it being in rugby so yeah. it's like it's similar right it's similar and and um there's no there's no egos there's no attitude everyone's different abilities um so that's what i like about it um which i'm big on in the studio you know there might be a, a someone who can bench 200 kilos someone who can bench 5 kilos nobody gives a shit it's about getting better you're in there aren't you you're doing yeah. it that's yeah. all that matters yeah 100% so. yeah I, I um, yeah I'm proud of what we do I think it's, it's similar to I always used to make the analogy of rugby I only play schoolboy rugby for the town but same as the military it's a very similar camaraderie and it's because you're overcoming adversity together mm. you know training's not easy sparring's not easy um, playing rugby's not easy on the body and because you're putting yourself in harm's way, potentially, there's a sense of shared kind of experience mm. and respect because mm. you've actually come to do it. Because most people don't. Most people walk past us on the way to Banyan, on the way to Rand, on the way to... Some people stop by and come in and potentially get strangled by a stranger. And to, to be able to come in and do that, it's like instant respect. And I think that's where Jiu-Jitsu, we, we find that the, the bonds are really strong and they're quite quick. That's why I'm surprised it's only been three weeks. It feels like I've known you for a, many, a few years. You know, we, we haven't spent that much time together because the bonds are kind of instant. There's like an instant respect. Yeah. Must be the same on rugby, right? When someone joins a team or you yeah. start playing, it's like, I respect you because yeah, you play get rugby. It. You yeah. just get it. I imagine when you, I mean, I'd, I think I'd like to go compete one day. And I imagine, do you go together? And yeah, I'd like to go as a team. I mean, we're building the comp because we spoke about this, didn't we? Building the competition team. I would love to take a team mm. to London for the English Open in November as a team, 
book out a hotel, Premier Inn or something down the road, all go together mm. and just walk down there in the morning and just watch everyone compete and just yeah. get behind everyone. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Because that's the proper experience. That would boost so, the morale massively. 100%. And that, that's kind of how Victor used to do it with his international competitors like Holly Lovell who runs GB Horsforth and um, GB Barnsley and uh, Bradley we spoke to on the, they used to fly out to the Worlds every year. Again, I'd love to be able to take a team to Lisbon, to the Europeans and do well. And I know we would do well. You know, at the white belt level, you know, you included, we've got some really good natural athletes who would do really well. Um, so I'd love to be able to do that. Mm. If anyone's listening, <laughs> what is it? November the 15th, I think. English Open right, yeah. the 8th it does it's when you go to it, like you say it solidifies the group 100% you know it's like if you've if you've the only difference is with rugby or, or, or the military or whatever you, you're kind of performing in a group whereas this you're performing on your own yeah. but you've still got all your all the other guys watching and they all want you to win yeah it creates a lot more pressure though like I never used to want in fact I never had my family come to watch me compete I just couldn't handle that pressure I had my own way of dealing with it and doing it mm. on the competition day mm. and I just couldn't have my kids particularly in the crowd. Mm. I knew if I heard one of them shout, go on daddy or whatever, mm. or no daddy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> taking your back down. You know, if that happened, it just freaked me out. Like yeah, I had to be I on my own and do my own thing. I was like that. Were you? Yeah. yeah. Is it nice to be back into something competitive or have you done yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's nice to be just cuddling there. <laughs> you missed it missed it it's been too long um, friends tell me off for trying to cuddle them. Um, no it's uh, yeah that's exactly why I wanted to do it you know it sounds a bit weird really doesn't it like contacts but no that's exactly what it is it's tactile isn't it it's uh, yeah it's, it's everything to do with it like it's it's the respect of your, your opponent you know they've just strangled you but that's that's part of the well, game let and, go. and they're going to strangle you and that's that's fine you know yeah. you don't want to like go outside and do you feel any pressure is there any particular feeling that's unique to being like oftentimes being the biggest guy in the room no no I've never been that that, that guy you get little I think it's like the angry little man that's usually like that isn't it? I've mm. got nothing to prove right so I just want to learn and fully accept that there's always someone bigger and better and smarter and stronger and faster or smaller and better yeah, yeah, like yeah. we've rolled and you've, you've yep. tied me in knots, no trouble. So yeah, I fully get I'm getting that. it in now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, in his jiu I spoke about that earlier to uh, to Tom, Tom Broughton, who came in for a chat about his kind of development pathway. And you know, I'm keen to do that with any member who's listening to this who wants to come in and have a talk about where they're heading in jiu jitsu and to iron out any creases there. You know, like if you guys aren't better than me at some point, then I've not done my job properly as a coach. Or a professor right you should all be better than me that's how we evolve mm. you know and hopefully one day you guys will be teaching me stuff like that's the way it should work mm. you know it should all be black belts you should all be tapping me out mm. and particularly someone physically like yourself big strong lean the sky's the limit really you're a dangerous man when you know technically how to strangle someone to death um it's a scary thought really isn't it mm. yeah really it's, scary I think I think the type of person that comes into martial arts is not the the dickhead who's out on a Friday night trying to start the fight. Some, they sometimes come, but they don't stay long. Yeah, it's not for them, and uh, it's usually the quiet guys who are the most dangerous guys. Right, you know. Um, so yeah, it's that's one thing I like about it. There's 
I, I just wanted to say that because I think a lot of people associate martial arts with I'm not going there I'll get my head kicked in yep and it's it's far from it well we see you know I see um, you know grown men coming into this academy and and women but but particularly men literally trembling in fact we still have members now who tremble every time they come to train because their central nervous system and adrenaline is cursing through the body because they are being combative and it's just so alien to them but that desensitization of that over time is such a positive thing for them because the next time they're asked to do, you can go speak in front of a group and it's the same feeling. They're up on stage and it's like they're able to harness it and deal with it like they can here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love to see that kind of almost, almost shock that it isn't more fighty and violent than people think. To prove them wrong. Yeah, it's like, oh, you've got women in here as well. Yeah. There's a 50 year old woman over there like what this is cool mm. I love to see that yeah. I, we, we are jiu-jitsu for everyone not every jiu-jitsu gym is like that but, but we certainly are that's why I wanted to get the kids involved just for that man, the mother skills related to it confidence and yeah you know good. I think it's good for kids and when Kobe's you know like 15, 16 just kicking my ass <laughs> yeah. wrestling you yeah there's no there's no better um I think I said to you briefly, but there's there's no better feeling than rolling with your own kids. Like grappling and wrestling with your own kids is great fun anyway, right? But to actually do jujitsu with your own kids and to see them doing technique and mm. um, using that kind of leverage is just amazing, man. Mm. Is there a reward aspect of that being like, oh wow, like if this guy can do this, like my kid can do this to me, they're gonna be safe wherever they are. Is there an aspect of that to it? Yeah, yeah, or? definitely, man. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that's our job as parents, isn't it, to set our kids up for the world. Mm. You know, if you can set them up in a way that they've got confidence in themselves, respect for others, a discipline, some resilience, but ultimately they can walk down the street nice and tall, knowing that in a very humble way, if worst case scenario shit went down, I'll probably be all right. Because mm-hmm. that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. There's always someone who could pull a knife, pull a gun, someone gets a lucky punch in, but we almost feel doing jujitsu that when we walk down the street, if it went down, I reckon I'd be all right. Mm-hmm. Or if someone broke into the house, I reckon I could protect my family. Yeah. And that, that's what we want, because that confidence just, it's that ripple effect throughout your whole life then. You're just a better person. You're just a nicer guy or girl. You're more confident at work, more respectful, more tolerant. You're more likely to succeed across all facets of life because you are projecting yourself in a confident yeah. way. And that's, that's, what, that's what this stuff does for people. Yeah. Where, you know, just going to the gym on your own to JD or whatever, ain't going to give you. Ain't going to give you that sense of self-confidence, potentially. That jiu-jitsu or martial arts can give you that. I think so. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big, especially, you know, it goes hand in hand with the weight management as well for the kids. Kids yes. these days. Small kids that are overweight and not overweight. So on that one, I know you're probably dying to kind of end this pretty soon, around yeah, 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so like, what would you say for, like, how... How soon is it okay to, you see, I view it, I'll say this just from my own personal view, and I mean it with respect to all of the parents, but I see it as two things. If a child's overfed, I find it, one, kind of a lazy way to parent because you're not prepared to say no, and two, almost a form of abuse Mm. because you are inhibiting that child's health and physical prowess. And development because they can't move well and all children should be able to move well because mm. naturally they can right 
We just develop an ability to not move well and overfeeding people is wrong. So how soon is it okay as a coach then to monitor and check that? Or should it be done from day one? It's day one, and it? it comes from the parents. You know, the kids are, uh, the, you'd have to be overly feeding them a lot for them to be heavily overweight as a three, four year old, because they're growing and they're eating the calories and they, and they are active. So that would be like way over the top. But some parents just are so poorly educated and their lifestyle is not the best. It just, the kids just follow suit. And it's sad to see. I was literally, literally yesterday speaking to my daughter about one of her friends at school. She's seven. And my daughter's friend was saying that to my daughter that she felt fat at seven. And it was like, if she's aware of it at seven, the mm. knock-on effect it's already having, having, you know, the research out there to show if you don't get your, your child's weight under control by the time they're early teens, it's the ripple effect is massive right. in terms of confidence, going for uh, jobs and then social partners. Just success in life, it's yeah. It's like, it cas it's a massive cascade from day, you know, from seven years old um, like yeah it's 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 the parents wanting an easy ride um, just give them the, just have some Chris to, to keep them quiet stick them in front of the iPad just so we can chat you know fucking get outside who plays that no one plays out anymore since when do you see a fucking kid climbing a tree you don't do you it's all iPads and the first time I ever saw it um, I've probably said this before on the podcast but went to went on holiday and um, it was a Russian family came in, and I'd never seen it before. Our kids were probably probably about one and two at this point, so very young. And they came in, and they sat down on a round table for four, two parents, two kids. The parents opposite each other, and the kids opposite each other. And they basically took screens out on stands in front of each one, put a headset on each one, and then had a conversation all night. And I, I was looking across to, to Sarah, I was like, the fuck what is going on here what has just happened now you see it all the time mm. and it is a lazy way to parent isn't it yeah yeah and it's you know the kids are growing up with poor social skills poor manners don't know how to act in a restaurant addicted to screens because that's a real thing i've seen that as well where a parent's taken a screen from a child and there's been a complete meltdown yeah. in a restaurant i've seen yeah. that yeah yeah um i mean really? it's 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 a different era from when we were kids so Screens are a part of life now. Technology in it, you know, you can't. I think there's a balance that you should allow it mm. when the time's right. I, I will. I'm strict with it, but more often than not, we're outside. Bikes, scooters, yep. Park, you know. Have you seen any good resources or educational content out there for like parents for like kid, you know, kids for nutrition or exercise and stuff? Or is there anything out there? On the screen stuff, we actually got it in lockdown because um, the second lockdown it was worse weather. Um, everybody's shut. It's you know you're homeschooling. It's tough for the parents to run their own businesses and not put the kids on a screen. Yep. It's like what else do you do? Uh, and I forget the brand, um, but it's like they call it the like time tokens. But I liked it because it was kind of teaching the kids to appreciate currency. Mm. So they had five minute tokens or 10 minute tokens or 
is all different amounts. They have a little wallet. And if they do chores or do something joke good or good work, or however you want to reward them, they get whatever you want to give them, five minutes, 10 minutes, and they can save it when they want it and they can ask when they can spend it. Nice. So if they want to give you 10 minutes and they've been good and, and the time's all right for them to go on screen, so you can say, yeah, you know, it might be half an hour, you can have half an hour. But what we found was without those, we'd be like, right, turn it off now. And they'd be like, oh, just one, you know, five more minutes. And then, oh, she's been on longer and <laughs> your brother and sister kicking off. Whereas you get a little, a little alarm, 30 minutes, set the alarm. Once it goes off, they were just like, alarm's on, done. They'd put it down, they'd turn it off. They'd spent the money. So they're managing their own time and finances. Right. They're working to, to get something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of different That's pretty cool. teaching things for it. And it's not rocket science. No, it was like, uh, I think we got them on Amazon Time Tokens. It was just, yeah, just like. Or like a little, paper thing. Yes, they, they literally have a little wallet. Um, and little cards yeah and they keep it in the drawer that's pretty neat isn't it it's a good idea though. and it's dead simple yeah, but yeah. it works really well with my kids and just teaching them there's delayed gratification there isn't there it's like you know I'm prepared to wait and perhaps save things up yeah. to get a reward later on that's yeah. a really good like thing to teach our kids not instant I want it now give me the screen I want to go on it now it's yeah. like well you can't you've got no time tokens yeah. so like earn some do some good stuff yeah. active stuff and then later on, you yeah, get what you want. That's, that's a great. That's what I like. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Awesome. Well, I'll try. I'll try find those and maybe link them in the description. Or if not, I'm sure people can find them on Amazon. Uh, Joe, where can people find you? Instagram, uh, you fit UK. Facebook, you fit UK. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's the main ones, really. Or yeah. email. That'll get linked in the description as well. Uh, thanks so much for being here, man. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks, thanks, guys. Good to speak to you. See you guys later. Awesome.